Welcome to the Dog Element Podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking about a clever horse named Hans and the importance of letting go of yourself and finding common language to better communicate with your dog. Sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dog Element Podcast, your home for the how-to and the how-come of everything dog. Here, you will gain a deeper understanding of dog behavior and the emotions behind it. You may even learn a little something about yourself along the way. And now, your host of the Dog Element Podcast, Lenny Flack. Hey friends, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining in again. On this episode, we are going to be discussing communication. The thing I'm doing with you right now, right? Uh, passing along messages between one another. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, before we do get into that topic, though, I want to start off with a little story. Okay, a little story to get us going here. And the story is about uh, Hans the Clever Horse. Now, this is a true story uh, about a horse uh, in the early 1900s who was uh, being shown around Germany for allegedly being able to do mathematics and tell time and days and all these things, right? So basically, like, if you asked him what's two plus two, he would uh, use his hoof to tap out four, right? And, you know, he could answer the difference between days and whatever, different questions. So he was so popular in Germany that uh, the Board of Education created a commission to see if there was some sort of scheme or hoax going on here. And based on their investigation, they couldn't find anything at first. Uh, they said there was no hoax, there's nothing to see be, seemed to be fraudulent, right? So they passed off the investigation onto a psychologist who tried a few different variables to try to figure out what was going on, right? So first he removed the crowd from the situation, just in case anybody was cueing the horse from the audience. Uh, then he would also um, change whether the horse could see the, the person asking the questions. Uh, additionally, he varied up the people that were asking the questions. There were different questioners that the horse would either see or not see. Uh, another variable, the last one was whether the questioner knew the answer to the question that he was asking, right? So through many trials and tests, uh, the, uh, what he found was that the times that Hans, the clever horse, was able to get the answer correctly was when the questioner was present or you know visible to Hans, he could see him or her. Uh, and also the, the other condition that had to be met was that the questioner had to know the answer to the question they were asking. If they did not know the answer, Hans was a lot less likely to get the right, to give the right answer, rather. So, with this information, the the psychologist understood that 
that somehow people were cueing the horse to the correct answer, right? They were somehow guiding the horse without realizing it. Because again, when the the horse couldn't see the, the questioner, wouldn't get the answers right. And if the person asking the question didn't know the answer themselves, the horse also was a lot less likely to to get the right answer. So they did more tests and really started to watch people more closely and watch their behaviors and mannerisms. And what they noticed was that people were in fact cueing the horse with their body language and their facial expressions, right? Their eyebrows would furrow when they would first ask the question and then their eyebrows would lift as soon as Hans tapped out the correct answer or their body posture would be, you know, kind of like slouched over when they asked the question and they would rise up when Hans got to the right number. So basically Hans was indeed very clever, but not because he knew how to do math or count days or understood the calendar. He did not learn any of that sort of stuff. He was just paying attention, very close attention, to people's gestures, their facial expressions, their eyes, their their posture, right? And despite having come to this conclusion, uh, the guy who had Hans, this guy named Wilhelm von Austin, he still continued to show him. He didn't believe what the psychologist the, the the conclusion the psychologist had come to through all those tests through all that testing, right? He was like, no, this horse knows math. I'm going to continue to show him, right? He he didn't want to give up that story. So the lessons to think come away with here is that first and foremost, we have to let go of any stories that we tell ourselves, which remove us further away from attaining the actual truth, right? So just like Wilhelm didn't believe that Hans was actually picking up on on gestures and facial expressions, a lot of people believe that their dogs are not dogs. And, you know, despite being able to, you know, lick their own rear ends, dogs are not humans, um, we might really want them to be because they're our best friends, but they're not humans, they're dogs. And we have to accept that and respect them for being that, right? And then once we can really truly, sincerely appreciate the fact that they are dogs, then we need to take the time to learn their language, We have to learn how they communicate, Uh, read some books, get a dog trainer, go watch dogs at a dog park and just see how they interact with one another and do it this, you know, without ego, without self, just focus on the dogs, try not to create any stories, just see what's happening. I'll provide some links for some resources that you could look into in terms of learning about dog communication, right? Um, I can't possibly go into everything here myself, so, you know, I, I would definitely suggest, you know, further reading and, and investigation on your own, but just uh, a basic idea of something like 
a dog's tail wagging doesn't always necessarily mean that the dog is happy. <clears throat> it just means there's some sort of excitement. Sometimes it's happy excitement. Sometimes it's fearful excitement. Sometimes it's anxious excitement. Sometimes it's aggressive excitement. Right? Typically, we don't think of aggression as excitement, but it is. Right? Your blood is pumping. You're, you know, getting ready for fighting potentially. So things are excited inside of your body. So that can cause a very stiff wagging tail, right? When a dog is happy and excited, the tail is more loose and relaxed, right? So it's not just about the tail wag. You want to look at the detail of the, of the tail, right? It's these little nuances that make all the difference in understanding dog language, right? You can look at their tails, their, again, the, the tension in their bodies, their ear positions in relation to what their normal ear position is, right? There's all sorts of things. Uh, but we have to take the time to, to learn and study and make sure that we are receiving the correct message, right? And in addition to that, that we are looking into our own means of communication, right? How do we talk to each other besides verbally, because dogs do not talk verbally, although we can teach them some words like sit and stay and, you know, some names of their toys and stuff, but we can't have verbal conversations with them as anybody who's tried to have a verbal conversation with their dog, which is probably everyone, knows it, it doesn't go anywhere, right? Oh, Daisy, why? I told you, not the shoes. How many times have I told you? Not my shoes. Oh, my God. Right? No matter how many times we tell Daisy about those shoes, she doesn't get it because she doesn't understand verbal language. But there's other ways to communicate with them because people not only talk with words, but we also talk through body language and through our facial expressions, through our um, eyebrows, through our eye contact, through our posture. There are so many different ways to communicate. And we have to make sure that we use those ways that overlap with dog communication, right? Such as posturing and eye contact, right? And tension of the body. Uh, these are little overlapping features of our language and dog language. And those are the pieces that we need to use to better communicate with our dogs, right? So next time you want to, you know, make it clear to your dog that you're not happy with their behavior, don't just have a conversation with them. You can, because it's a human thing to do, but make sure that the rest of you matches your tone, right? Or you, the, the rest of your gesturing and, and facial expression matches your intention rather than your tone, right? You want your tone of voice to match your intention, you want your body posture to match your intention of, I don't like what you're doing, the way that you're looking at the dog, the eye contact you have, all that stuff, that's what's really going to sell the message and make it as clear as possible for the dog to receive, all right? So just to kind of summarize, first and foremost, we have to let go of this idea that dogs are part human or 
half human or reincarnated humans, whatever it is, right? We have to respect them for the animals that they are. And once we can do that genuinely, then we can start to learn their language and watch how they quote unquote talk to each other and listen to each other. And then once we can see that, then we look inwards and understand how we communicate and find the overlapping sections of our languages and learn, teach ourselves to communicate with our dogs with that. And then eventually you can use that communication to teach them some of our verb, verbal language as well. Right. So that's it. Uh, again, check the, the description of the, the podcast for some resources. Thank you so much for listening as always. Take care of yourself, take care of your dog, and take care of each other.